Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Time to talk week nine for the Pac-12. How did we get here already? I don't know. Every every day seems like a month, but every month feels like a day. What a show is this? Is like the 18th show of ours? Yep, 18. Wow. 18 episodes of Believe in the Pac-12. Welcome, everybody. Ryan Leaf, Jonathan Rifkind, delighted to be with you on a beautiful Thursday or whatever day you happen to be listening. Hopefully, it's before the slate of uh, Saturday games. Of course, USC Colorado on Friday. No matter when you're listening or how you're listening, all of us here at the Believe Podcasting Network appreciate you making us a part of your very busy plans, I'm sure, whether you're driving or walking or watching your kid, make sure you have us in your ear. USC Colorado is where we will begin. USC hits the road, heads to Boulder, altitude, snow, cold, Friday night, ESPN2. This sets up a very intriguing matchup between the Trojans and the Buffaloes. It does. Now... It's the tale of two teams when it comes to Colorado. Right? This is a team that can beat a Nebraska team that was ranked. It can go on the road and play at Arizona State after getting beat by Air Force the week before and then beat an Arizona State team that's still ranked right now. And then after that, host an Arizona team and Khalil Tate let him go bonkers once again, lose a late football game, and then the struggles really set in. They go to Oregon and get embarrassed on a Friday night on national TV. And then this week they go to Washington State and again, made to look as incompetent as you can imagine on offense. They, they ran the ball well, but this should be an easy task for USC. The only thing, you just mentioned all those components, right? It's going to be at elevation. It's going to be super cold. It's going to be on a Friday night where crazy things happen in the Pac-12. And Keaton Slovis is from Arizona. He I don't know if he knows how to play in the snow. I don't know if he knows how to play in this type of cold weather. And this football team, the USC Trojans, don't know, doesn't know what it, what it's like. They haven't experienced winning a football game on the road. Keaton Slovis hasn't, right? He lost at BYU in his second start, uh, and then they went and lost to Notre Dame. And in between there, they played Washington, where Matt Fink was the starter, and they got beat pretty convincingly as well. So I really think they found something in the second half against Notre Dame. I really do. They made a good, solid comeback. Didn't quite get it done, and then really put together four solid quarters of football against a visiting Arizona team a, a week ago. I, I think US, USC gets it done because I think that USC right now, um, speaking to my power rankings, is the third best team in the conference as we speak. Do you see the top four receivers, or at least the top three receivers for USC as, as NFL talent, Pittman, Vons, and, and Almond Ross St. Brown? Yeah, I think they're all going to get a chance, right? Uh, uh Tyler Vaughn's is is pretty special. Pittman's got the pedigree, of course, of his father and and just what he's been able to accomplish. And then Amon Ross St. Brown is an, is another one, right? I mean, his brothers played at Notre Dame and the Stanford, and I mean, this is 
this is what they're known for, and they go out and do that. And so I wouldn't be surprised if all three of them get opportunities to play at the next level. And right now, Keaton Slovis is looking at them as his favorite things he can imagine. If he continues to ride those guys and the offensive line gets better, what I was really impressed last week was how well the defense played. Yep. And if they continue to get better, they're going to make these games more competitive because they control their own destiny. Surprisingly as that, they control their own destiny in the South Division after beating Utah earlier in the season. And with a big game against Oregon coming up in a couple of weeks, this one is a must-win for them if they're going to be in that conversation. USC Colorado, 6 o'clock ESPN2. It's going to also be an 8 o'clock, nope, 7 o'clock kickoff uh, in Colorado, which means if you're USC, expect it to be colder than you expect right now due to the time change as well. All right, no really early games on Saturday because Pac-12 play in full swing. So on Pac-12 Network to begin it will be Stanford-Arizona, not a game I would necessarily say will be the greatest in terms of the talent shown, but it could be competitive. Well, I mean, I think all I think all conference games have been competitive. It's been rare, right? Utah upending Oregon State a, a week, you know, yeah. over a week ago was bad. Um, but for the most part, you're going to get competitive football games in this conference, and this is going to be a game that I don't think a lot of people are going to want to pay too much attention to, just because uh, for me, it's going to be about what David Shaw's going to do when when times get tough. Are we ever going to see KJ Costello again? He was supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks in the conference, and you know, he may, we may not see him the rest of the year. He may be prepping for his NFL career. Um, what does Stanford do with that? They're so injury riddled right now. How do they bounce back? Arizona's four and three. Do they, do they, you know, save this season? Right? Do they go to four and four with a very difficult final four games, or do they step up and, and win again? And what's Khalil Tate about? So I think those are interesting storylines in this football game, and I'll be interested to see how they play out. But it won't be one. That's just sitting there on my radar, really, that I'm paying attention to. Of course, Tate got benched last week. Grant Gunnell came in uh, to throw a few passes. He's actually been decent this season. Six touchdowns and interception and a 152 quarterback rating. Not quarterback rating, just regular rating over the course of the season. His numbers actually stack up pretty well to Khalil Tate in much fewer uh, opportunities. So who knows? Maybe Khalil, I assume Khalil Tate will at least start if they decide that it's just not sufficient enough, then we'll probably see more of Grant Gunnell because, again, I, th- I don't think he's been t- particularly terrible uh, for the Wildcats. So they play Stanford on the road at 1230 on the Pac-12 Network. The next game, 430, Arizona State, UCLA in the Rose Bowl. Ryan, in our last episode, you mentioned that UCLA is more equipped to win on the road than they are at home, which leads me to believe that Arizona State will probably win this game handedly. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> they're going to be a little upset, too, coming off that bad loss to Utah. Um, you know, take a good look in the mirror. I think this is going to be a good stylistic matchup um, with what Chip Kelly does and uh, what Herm Edwards and, and that crew has looked like. This is an opportunity for Arizona State to get back on the horse here. You know, 5-2, and two, if they were able to get to 6-2 and two right now with the final four games remaining, I think would be huge for them. And... Uh, We'll see how it plays out. I think it's going to be real difficult for UCLA to win. I, I think the two wins they ha- have gotten this year was just unbelievable, um, absolutely incredible implosion by Washington State, but also uh, against a Stanford team that was so injury-riddled that, that they could hardly uh, feel the team out there. So uh, I, I think UCLA you know, gets beat. Surprisingly, this game's only a four-point spread, so 
Uh, I, I expect Arizona State to win this football game and continue uh, with the great season that they're having. And I expect this to feel like an Arizona State home game with how, uh, number one, the Rose Bowl doesn't fill up. And when it fills up, it's not with UCLA fans. So we'll see what how that turns out. I really agree with you on this idea that Arizona State's going to play with a chip on their shoulder. Jaden Daniels, like you said in our last episode, looked like a freshman last week. He's going to go back to being the Jaden Daniels, who I believe in the next two to three years could be the best quarterback in the Pac-12 now. We don't know who's going to transfer in. We, we know that there's some really good recruits coming into the conference, most notably um, the, the quarterback out of Corona Del Mar, Ethan Garbers, Chase Garbers. His brother I actually saw him last Thursday. He's That guy is unreal. He's going to be really good up in Seattle, uh, if not next year, then in two seasons. But UCLA still with a bottom 70 recruiting class in the nation. And Arizona State on the rise as well. They're going to surround Jaden Daniels with some talent, especially uh, most notably Chad Johnson Jr., who's out of Cathedral in Los Angeles. That's at 4.30 on the Pac-12 Network. The first of the two televised games nationally on Saturday will be Utah hosting Cal at 7 o'clock. Cal offense, as you mentioned on Tuesday, Ryan, is brutal. Utah's defense has been very good. Their offensive efficiency has been good. And I don't see any reason for them to drop this game. No, this is this is one that you really in, unless Chase Garbers is playing quarterback, that's when you can start having a discussion about this football game. Defensively, it could be a very you know tight defensive battle uh, in terms of of what they do. But Cal has Cal can't be expected to stop everybody and generate points themselves on defense. So Utah, you know Utah wins this game going away. What do you see as Tyler Huntley or of who Tyler Huntley is? Do you see him as a guy who? Could be sufficient at the next level, or is this really where his ceiling is? Yeah, I'm not worried about what the next level looks like for any of these guys right now. I want to see him continue to do the things they need to do at the collegiate level. And for for me, it's going to come down to him. Ultimately, this season, it's going to come down to the shoulders of, T- of Tyler Huntley and whether he can get it done. And what we've seen so far this year tells me that that's the case, that he will be able to. But I want to see it in real time. When, when the thing was on the you know the USC game was on the line and you know they fumbled inside the five yard line and didn't get you know didn't get plays like that that's that's the stuff I'm talking about I need to see those things and the next possible one for them is going to be in Seattle uh, in two weeks and then probably and hopefully for the Utes in the Pac-12 championship against their Oregon team. Cal obviously one and three in the Pac-12 that one win against Washington they've lost to Oregon they've lost to Oregon State wow. Losing to two teams in the state of Oregon. I don't know the last time that's happened to a Pac-12 team before, considering the history of the schools up uh, in Eugene and Corvallis. But, yeah, it's been a tough season. They were fit, uh, picked to finish at the bottom of the Pac-12 North by the media pool. Didn't seem like that. And then, as you mentioned, Chase Garbers goes down, and, and hell sort of breaks loose offensively for Coach Wilcox and the California Bears. They play on Fox Sports 1 at 7 o'clock against Utah. Again, we fully expect Utah to take control of this game and run out um, a real victory against the Cal Bears. 7.30, Oregon, Washington State, a game that scares me. I remember being in Pullman last year, calling the game. It was 27-0 at halftime. Oregon made a valiant effort in the second half, but Washington State walked away with a victory and all but secured Oregon's inability to really be in any sort of conversation for a good bowl game or or even in the Pac-12 North Championship uh, after that game, especially because they went on to beat Washington the next week. So, Oregon, Washington State, how do you see the outlook of this one? Well, I mean, if, if you're looking at it on the surface, you're like saying this is an easy one, right? Oregon has, has shown their dominance this year. They're doing things differently. Um, but Mike Leach has had Oregon's number. Now, 
Mario Cristobal has only had two opportunities in this game, one as a head coach and one under Willie Taggart at home. So you normally would think Washington State playing in a physical football game like this doesn't stack up. They're going to score points. We're going to need to see Andy Avalos and that defense uh, do something different to, to stop Anthony Gordon in this air raid offense. My biggest thing is defensively at Washington State. They were better last year against Col- last week against Colorado, but that's been their Achilles heel this year. Are they going to be able to stop that impressive offensive line running the football? I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon simply care, you know runs the ball 75% of the time this game and just dominates them at the line of scrimmage. Long drives, limits possessions for Washington State to get stay in the football game. You know, late night ESPN game, really an opportunity for a lot of the country to see this Oregon team. Um, but don't forget, you know, they beat a Washington team a year ago at home. And coming off that big game, they went to Pullman and, and got beat, and got beat badly, and then stepped on a plane and didn't get off it at Arizona a week after that. So there's got to be consistency. We talked about how every week now Oregon's going to have a big game and the pressure's going to mount and mount and mount. Um, I hope that there's no ease off the gas pedal knowing that they are in control and have the Pac-12 North pretty much in their hands. To add to that pressure, Washington State has a four-game winning streak against Oregon. I have never, in my time as an Oregon Duck, I've never seen them beat Washington State. And that, I don't know. It, it, it just doesn't sit well with me. I think I'm, I don't know how superstitious you are, Ryan, in terms of sports. I grew up around baseball, and that superstition that surrounds baseball matriculated into the way I see other sports. And I have this idea that a team that has been dominant over the course of a period of time, even if the other team is better, knows something that everybody else doesn't. Like you said, Mike Leach has the Ducks number. He knows how to play this Oregon team. They've won four straight. If they win one more, that'll be a record for the series. By the way, Oregon has 49 wins. Washington State has 42 wins. It's not like they've been that... It's not like Oregon's been continuously dominant uh, throughout the course of this series going all the way back to the 1920s. So if history repeats itself and the Ducks do what the Ducks have proven that they've done to do in the past few years... There's a chance Washington State wins. I don't think it's going to happen, especially in Eugene, like you said, late night uh, with, with this offensive line and, and, of course, the defensive turnover for Washington State. But with these, with these two teams, anything truly can happen. We've seen it. And it would be so Pac-12. It would be so <laughs> Pac-12 for Washington State to go and upset this Oregon football team after the huge win. Now there's something to be said about a letdown, right? The physical nature of that football game. I, lo- I want to hear what kind of injuries have come out of that Washington game. You know, Troy Dye broke his thumb. Yep. You know, it, it still played. It still played. They, they went through like four casts in the game. He was bleeding a ton. I mean, it's he he toughed it out. But you know, there's adrenaline that goes into that. What happens this week? Maybe they have to put a pin in it. He can't play. Things like that. Uh, after a big physical football game like that, and it's a perfect example is what happened last year, right? Big, huge per, uh, physical football game, uh, midday ABC game, just like this year, uh, and, and then they no show against Washington State. I will say this. Marcus Arroyo went away from the identity of that football team in that Washington State game the next week. They didn't run the football. They didn't play action fake. Uh, They did that late in the game against Washington. And if they continue with that process and understand that the best part of this football team, which sometimes is hard to to say. You want to say you're you're flashy at the skill position players? uh, You're flashy on defense? No. What, What Oregon's best at? is what they do at the offensive line, and it's because of the identity of their head coach. Their, their head coach is an offensive line coach, and he's put that mindset in this football team, and that's what the best part of this football team is, run the football, because they don't have a dynamic running back. 
They just got a great offensive line that opens holes for those guys to run through. So they continue with that, and they stay with that game plan. There isn't a team in this conference that can beat them. The only way they lose this year is if somebody beats themselves. Mario Cristobal not only being that line coach, he's a line coach from the south. And to be able to have those connections out of Florida, out of Georgia, out of Alabama, especially when he was an associate head coach under Nick Saban, to have those connections, to have that history, to have that credibility is why Oregon is being so successful at recruiting the offensive line, at developing the offensive line. Not only that, but it's translated to the defense. Kayvon Thibodeau has been insane. And that guy was the number one uh Recruiting the nation last year, chose Oregon over Alabama and LSU, and there's a reason. Mario Cristobal is that reason. It's not because of Eugene. It's not because it's pretty and it's small and, you know, Austin has its second highest decibel rating ever behind Death Valley. It's because of Mario Cristobal and, and, and this what, what they've been able to do with, with Aiello and with, um, and with Marcus Arroyo this season. It's been special. So we'll see how this Washington State game pans out. And they have USC next week. It's going to be uh, a crazy two weeks. And there's a chance that the Ducks could walk out of here 0-2, which scares me, but I don't think it's going to happen. 7.30 ESPN, Oregon, Washington State. Ryan, before we wrap this up, where are you going to be this weekend? I'm going to be in Fresno. Mm. Fresno State, Colorado State, 4.30 Pacific kickoff ESPNU. So um, should be ending right as, as – as my Cougars uh, battle the Oregon, your Oregon Ducks, so a little Uh-oh. friendly wager this week, huh? Yeah, if you you have to wear an Oregon jersey on Monday when we record this next, if uh, if Washington State loses, I got I got an Oregon jersey I could wear if I needed to, and I'll go pick up a Washington State. Oh, I got one. I got. Yeah, you've one from. It I might be a little one. big. Well, that's fine. <laughs> it's gonna be like my pajama shirt. Mine's big. Mine's 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 my little brother's Oregon one. It's huge. Is your little brother bigger than you? No, but, I mean, they fit over shoulder pads. That's true. That's a good point. All right. That's the wager here. You heard it on the Believe Pac-12 podcast. Oregon wins. Ryan Leaf will be wearing an Oregon shirt, and I will be wearing a Washington State shirt should Oregon lose. I look pretty good in red and white, so I'm not going to complain if that happens. crimson, by the way. So Okay, sorry, sorry. Crimson and white. I just I associate crimson with it's Alabama. Crimson and gray, by the way, too. So. Oh, man. What am I doing here? Yep. Get somebody else for the show. But I think we'll that'll that'll do it for us. Previewing week nine, it's going to be an interesting one. USC Colorado Friday will kick it off. Arizona Stanford, the morning game on Saturday or the early afternoon game. You have Arizona State UCLA at 4.30. Utah Cal at 7. And Oregon Washington State at 7.30. Those final two games will be on Fox Sports 1 and ESPN respectively. Ryan will be on ESPNU. You can catch him on Fresno State hosting Colorado State. That will be a fun Mountain West matchup as well. But until next week when we have a pair of podcasts on Tuesday and Thursday, thank you so much for listening. This has been Believe in the Pac-12 on the Believe Podcast Network. For Ryan Leaf, my name is Jonathan Rifkind. Have a wonderful weekend. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. 
It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big.